0: I'm Eugene Kim, and I welcome you to On Death, the podcast where we talk about death through the four prompts. I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. This week, we sit down with Caroline Wilson. Caroline is a 19-year-old college student, positive human, and survivor of a traumatic brain injury. I met Caroline while coaching crew in New Hampshire for Great Bay Rowing, and she served as a right-hand coxswain for the team. During one of our dry land practices, she fell and hit her head on cement. This caused a two-week-long Elmer Fudd stutter and a long road to recovery. Luckily, she had her grandmother nearby, who underwent chemotherapy at the time. In this lovely conversation, we discuss the plastic nature of memories, especially when you have impaired long-term memory, how a positive reframe of a situation can change your outlook on life, and the nature of social, social crutches and how they help us function. Before I talk more about Caroline and this awesome conversation that we had, I wanna talk about my long form Sundays posts. These are weekly reflections published every Sunday from the first anatomy lab until now the third clerk or the final fourth clerkship uh, surgery of my third year. And uh, you can find those at mnmwod.com, that is M-N-M-W-O-D Mobility and Mindfulness Work of the Day. Anyway, there you'll find on April 1st, I published On Brain Surgery. This week, I reflected on my week with neurosurgery. I witnessed some impressive technique, neat technology, and a terminal diagnosis, an odd blend that also represents modern medicine. Then this past week, on April 8th, I published On the Pull of the OR, or consideration of a life in surgery. This week, I reflect on my time in the OR thus far. How uh, could I live a life in the surgical suites? Could I leave psych for surgery? Lots to consider. Anyway, check those out. I think they're pretty cool. And I published them on Amazon under the title of On the Education of a Physician. And uh, again, you can find those at mnmwad.com. Anyway, back to Caroline. Uh, Caroline is Caroline. From Durham, a student at the University of New Hampshire, and a kind person. Before Caroline dies, she wants to make other people happy, to be happy herself, and to travel. When Caroline dies, she wants people to remember the positives and to not be sad. After Caroline dies, she wants people to look back at the memories and people to be kind to each other. In conclusion, Caroline says be a kind person, go out tomorrow and make someone happy because it'll make you feel better as a person anyway this was a great conversation so i met caroline as i mentioned as a she was a coxswain coxswain or the little person that shouts at the rowers in a a rowing boat in a crew boat and uh she was a great, great sort of like I th- she served as captain for, I think, a year, two years, something like that. She might be mad at me for not remembering, but she might not remember herself because of this traumatic brain injury that she suffered while I was coaching her. Uh, so it was a dry land practice. We go into I, I thought this was a really interesting conversation because I knew the I, I, I have my own memories of what the story was like of, of the head injury of her recovery and, and afterwards. It was really, really fascinating to see her side of, and you know, her her side is much more active. It was it happened to her, uh, seeing her, hearing her side of the story of what it was like about uh, you know, because she doesn't really remember a whole lot uh, of around the experience. She doesn't remember a whole lot since, uh, so her because her memories have been so so. Um, Jumbled up by this traumatic brain injury. Uh, we talk about her the recovery, the convalescing period before she was really ready to go back to school uh, with her grandmother, who was undergoing, as I mentioned, chemotherapy at the time for ovarian cancer. And uh, then we also talk about life after the of uh, the TBI and with this uh, impaired memory going forward, going into college. Uh, how does she find? You know, like if you meet, like you know. The, the first couple of weeks of college, you'll meet a dozen or so people a day and you have to ch- sort of like keep up with it. And uh, how do you do that when you can't remember the person that you met uh, an hour ago or even a, or a week ago? And uh, it was just fascinating and it's how she has accumulated, uh, not necessarily. I, I mean, crutches is, is sort of, I feel like as a negative connotation, but the, the way that she utilizes uh, the people around her to function at a really in, at, at a high level she had her sister who was three years younger than her and uh she calls her uh Car- han hannah Car- caroline i don't know some combination of hannah jane and caroline i forget what it was and uh her sister you know she, she says that she didn't speak until three years old because caroline was able to do all the talking for her and uh Going off to college without Hannah Jane, her sister, around uh, to be the social crutch, to be like, "Hey, let me talk about Hannah Jane," and rather than talk about myself, but allows me to talk about, like, take the attention away from myself and onto something else. Um, how does she do that? How do you, how do you navigate that as a eighteen-year-old, nineteen-year-old with a traumatic brain injury, and then uh, how she has somebody in college, a very good friend of hers, who has uh, had set many uh, concussions, has poor. I think, has poor has, is unorganized in her life but is able to remember things. So uh, with the two of them, they're able to remember things and be very sociable and to be organized. It's very fascinating just the way that she has organized her life uh, after this traumatic brain injury. And we talk about, I talk about a lot how uh, there's this idea of, that, you know, you're not disabled, it's just that you're temporarily abled. Like you just have this short, sweet window where you don't have Uh, disabilities and Caroline has she knows what her disability is very early on it's going to be her memory and her her ability to function like that so she externalizes her brain she writes things down and it's very fascinating and I'm very interested to see where she goes with this uh, for the next 20 30 years uh, as she settles into who she is as a person because she We talk about how she's at a very, you know, sort of gestational age. She grew up in Durham, New Hampshire, which is also where University of New Hampshire um, is. And so she hasn't really left the hometown, but she has left home. And uh, as she progresses to traveling and exploring and moving on with her life, uh, I'm just, I'm very interested to keep tabs on her. She's one of these people that I'm definitely going to keep tabs on. So anyway, I can talk more about Caroline for a while. Uh, She's a great, great person, and I think that her bubbly personality really shows through. But I want you to listen to Caroline and her responses to the four prompts in this really lovely conversation that we have uh, on death. It is March 4th, 2018, and I'm sitting here in my Coopersburg home, and Caroline Wilson is sitting in the lounge of her dormitory at UNH, University of New Hampshire. We're going to be talking about death through the four prompts. Caroline, what are the four prompts?
1: I am, before I die I want, when I die I want, after I die I want.
0: Excellent. And how do you finish that first prompt, I am?
1: I am. Well, I'm I am Caroline. I've i had to do this kind of prompt a lot now that it's my first year at college, and any icebreaker is, who are you? Or any new people, person you meet, they ask, like, tell me your life story. So, like, I've had to think about it a lot, and I still don't totally know who I am because... I am so young and I still have so much time to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But if I had to say, like, I am Caroline. I'm from Durham. I am a student at the University of New Hampshire. I like to think of myself as a kind person, um, a person who thinks about other people before themselves, which is a plus and a negative. Um, yeah, I think that kind of thing I can really think of right now because. There are just so many op- so many things to describe yourself that you don't totally know what you are when you're so young.
0: Exactly.
2: I'm
1: still it. Uh, I'm still funny. Oh,
0: you're still funny. So uh, let's okay. The first one. I'm Caroline. What does that mean?
1: What does that mean? Well, <laughs> I don't. I don't really know. You know, I am my own and unique person, and so I don't think you can put put like a label on myself. Mm-hmm because Caroline can mean different things to different people, because I feel like I'm a different person to different people. I'm someone's best friend, I'm someone's sister, I'm someone's daughter, I'm someone's enemy, like maybe not someone's enemy, but it's, it's different to every person that I meet. And I, I really like that, that I'm not this one set person. I can be unique and be myself around different people and be a different person mm-hmm. uh, really.
0: That said, is there a story behind your name?
1: Behind my name. Um, my parents didn't really come up with any other names for me. I'm their first child. So I was kind of like everybody had different suggestions, I guess, for who, who I should be. And they didn't know if I was going to be a girl or a boy. They had a bunch of boy names and they only had Caroline. Girl <laughs> So they're like, if she comes out and she's not Caroline, like she's not going to have a name. And I came, and they named me Caroline, and that's that's it. They just really liked the name. I don't think there's any rhyme or reason. Like my siblings have way cooler backstories; they just liked my name.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> feel like you missed out on that, right?
1: Missed out on something. Both my siblings have such cool like background stories. Well, are, my,
0: would you mind going into some of them?
1: Yeah, well, my sister. Her name is Hannah Jane. Um, Jane is actually her middle name, but everybody just calls her Hannah. Uh, Hannah Jane as one name um so her name my mom wanted to name her Hannah but without an H because my mom's name is Sarah without an H um but my dad's at the hospital he's like no you we have to put an H at the end because then she can spell it forwards and backwards she <laughs> was just so excited about that that they named her Hannah with an H at the end even though my mom really didn't want that and as she's grown up and since everyone's just called her Hannah Jane, nobody's known that Jane's actually her middle name, not her full name. So my parents told her that she could pick whatever middle name that she wanted, and they'd legally change her name so she could be Hannah Jane blank Wilson. And so for a really long time, she tried to change her name, middle name, to Danger. <laughs> I mean, she can say, yeah, my middle name's Danger, and go do ridiculous things. Um, but my mom told her that that was probably a bad idea if you're like going to an airport and they're looking at your passport and they see your, your middle name's danger. That's kind of a red flag popping up. So right now she is still Hannah Jane Wilson. Um, I, she's coming up with a middle name. She's working on it, but I think that's a really cool opportunity too, to pick part of your own identity,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, pick your own middle name, figure that out. And so my brother's name is John Britton. And that's just a family name. My grandfather's name is John and Britton has been every other generation's middle name in my family for like the male side. So my dad's middle name is not Britton, but my grandfather's middle name is Britton and so forth. And I think it started with a man named John Britton who married into the Wilson family. And then from then on they started naming everybody John Britton. And I think that's really cool because it incorporates my mom's side of the family because her father's name is John and my dad's side of the family with the Britton. Um, so he gets to be pretty, pretty connected in that way and it has a cool background story behind it. And I'm just Caroline because they liked it. <laughs> it's a story in its own too.
0: Yeah, The absence of the story is almost as interesting as a story sometimes. because
1: yeah, You could always make up your own story about what actually happened. And what's the truth to who other yeah,
2: connection is.
0: So you are Caroline. And uh, I think you also said that you are a student somewhere yeah. in there, right? Yes. I so what what are, what, are you, uh, what are you a student of at UNH?
1: I am, it's a really long name. I am a recreation management and policy program and event management major with a emphasis in hospitality, which is just very long and nobody knows what I'm talking about because they lose me at the first word. So to sum it up, I am a program and event management major. Um, so I'm looking to do event planning, um, something in those lines. I want to do like... I'm in the College of Health and Human Services. I'm not a health-related, but I'm a human services um, major. So I really want to help people and plan things and really do something to make other people's lives happier. I really wanted to do nonprofits for a while, or I want to do big corporate events, or I want to plan weddings, concerts, all that. I just want to plan things for people to have a good time and be part of something bigger.
0: And what uh, what is the... Draw for you, um, like what? Uh, have you always liked to make, uh, like, to do that? Because you also mentioned that earlier that it's the thing that you like to help people sometimes to your own detriment, right?
1: Yeah, I since I have been alive, everyone's kind of said that I've been a mother. <laughs> I am the oldest of all my siblings, all my cousins. So I, my uncle, my great uncle likes to say that I've always had a baby on my hip because. I, my brother. I've always had my I've carried my brother. I have a cousin. I have little cousins. Like everybody was always following me around. I was like this mother duck. My cousin and my brother are the same age, so I used to carry both of them around and have all the younger kids following me around. Mm-hmm. I kind of bossed them around. My <laughs> advantage as well. She didn't speak till she was three because I always just punch a little. Do you want a drink? And I'm like, I will have milk, and my sister will have milk. So. That's been kind of a disadvantage to her. she ordered order her first like meal. Her she went to a concert by herself without me and her friend when she was like maybe in sixth or seventh grade. And her biggest fear about going was I wasn't going to be there to order her soda for her. Aww. So like that's it's sweet when you think about it. At the same time, it's kind of it's kind of sad because you're like you're not your own person because you've always. I've always just kind of spoken for her. And it's been kind of a disadvantage for both of us because she doesn't have that same confidence to go into a room. And I have always had a crutch to like lean on and talk about, like talk about her instead of talking about myself. As you have kind of already said, I've talked a lot about my sister versus myself because that's just kind of been my, my crutch and my go-to. So it's been kind of unique for both of us. And now that I'm not here not at school, not at home, she's had to figure it out by herself and I've had to figure out being by myself too. Mm-hmm. she's only 16 months younger than me. So it's, it's been my whole life with
0: her. And so. what have you, uh, I mean, I'm, I imagine that you're still learning about what to do and like how, uh, what this experience is like of, of separating yourself from that crutch. Um, but, uh, what have you learned so far and what, uh, where have the difficulties been? Difficulties? Well,
1: it's, Every time that my sister and I were together, I could walk into a room and I'd have someone to talk to, I've had someone to be with. And when you go into a crowd of people, it's nice to not be alone. And Uh so I had to learn how to be alone. And being in college, being a freshman is all about making new friends and trying to connect with as many people as you can. And you have to go into that alone without having someone by your side. And so that's been really hard for me and it took a while because I found a friend who also had the same same similarities that she likes to be with other people when she meets new people. So we've kind of been each other's crutches in going places. And so now it's been us like realizing the fact that we should probably learn how to be alone. So being alone has been kind of the hardest thing that I've had to deal with. And then finding someone and then realizing that I just did it all over again and having to relearn that again. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. I've never- yeah. Well,
1: oh, I would say I've definitely gotten better. I've learned how to go places alone and be, be my own self without having a second person. To go
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's like, cause these are, these, it sounds like it's been so like deeply ingrained in you for so long that, uh, it's just, it would be very natural for you to kind of like wake up one day and be like, I've done it again. <laughs>
1: It, it has been hard. And it's, Hannah and I have always been referred to as like the same person. Like, we have a family friend that calls us Hannah Line because we just come together. We're a package deal. Wherever, okay. like, my sister, she did the same sports as me all growing up. We've always been, there's, there's been no differences mm-hmm. in the activity that we've done. And for a while, that was really hard for me because I wanted something to be mine, but it was always yours and your sister's. Um, But I've, I've learned to embrace it. And having her with me has been really great. Like when she first joined the crew team, I hated it. I was so upset that my mom would sign her up for the same sport as me. But we were able to find our differences through the same sport. Since she was a rower and I was a coxswain, I was always with the boy. She was on the girls' team. So we were able to bond over the fact that we both loved this sport, but find our own separate entities within it, which is, I think that's what you really need to do when you have someone that you're always with.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And so you are Caroline, you're a student, and you're a a giver. Uh, Was there something else on that list that I'm not thinking of?
1: now I, I don't remember now <laughs> it's been so long ago and that's kind of also been the cool thing is my memory since the whole falling on my head incident
0: yes do you want to talk about that
1: um with like chego all the way back to the
0: yeah why not tell the story
1: yeah i've written i wrote my college essay on this i
0: really yeah because i i know it from only my perspective so i would love to hear from yours and like how especially now that you've had a couple years and thinking and like kind of like like, you know, like Harry was saying, like, uh, when you do the, all the icebreaker things for, for college, like, how do you, how have you sort of condensed it into the story?
1: The story. Well, so it was in September of 2014, I think, I want to say. We were working out in, um, on a concrete floor of in Jackson's Landing in Durham. And we were doing fireman carries, which I have... I have this whole, I have a whole speech. I've written so much about this. A carry is basically like a human scarf. So one person's head's on one side and their feet are on the other side. And Eugene was having us run up and down with the, with the weight of the person, which was a great workout. But the girl that was carrying me was trying to adjust me on her shoulders. And she ended up pushing me backwards and I fell on the concrete. And I think I hit my head twice. I don't really remember. Um, and I stand up, I look around, I, this is, I don't remember any of this. This is other people telling me what happened. Um, I do remember standing up and then Eugene walked me outside and I was laying on the ground, hyperventilating. And you called my mom and you called the ambulance and they took me to the hospital. Don't remember, the only thing I remember about that whole ordeal was somebody reached into my mouth and took the gum out that I was chewing. <laughs> Then I was like in an ambulance. My mom's holding my hand and they're asking me who the president is. And I just had no idea where I was. Um, so I ended up going to the emergency room. And when I got there, my speech, um, became very impaired. I had a really bad stutter for a really long time. It was, we like to call it an Elmer Fudd stutter. Cause it was basically like that words just couldn't come out, um, And my mom kept telling the doctor, she's like, this isn't normal. She doesn't talk like this. Like, this is a problem. And since it was such a concern, they kept me overnight um, that first night. And my mom slept in, we slept in an ER, like, little room. It was, it was squishy. It was, I don't really remember. I I can't say much about that. Um, So after that, I had a, it was obviously a concussion, and I couldn't speak normally for two weeks. I stayed in my room for a month and a half or two months. And then I started going to school to get school again. Um, I would go for half days or just one or two classes. And I, I really don't remember anything from this, that period. I just know that it happened. And during this, my grandmother was also was just diagnosed with ovarian cancer so she was going through chemotherapy at the same time that I was stuck at home, which to my mom was the worst thing in the world. Like my daughter is like almost brain dead sitting at home and her mom is like going through chemotherapy. But for my grandmother and I, we had someone to hang out with. So we would just lounge on the couch all day. <laughs> and she could leave the house and I couldn't, she would come in and she would bring up crafts and activities. So she bought all these bird houses and paint and so we'd sit together, like on our kitchen counter and just paint birdhouses all day. We have like a dozen birdhouses in our basement that were painted by my grandmother and I during that period where we couldn't do anything, which is created a really special bond with my grandmother and I. We like to say that she has half a brain because the chemo kind of affected that. And I have half a brain because my concussion really affected my memory and my brain. So together we are one one brain, one unit, which to everyone else in my family, they hate because neither of us remember anything. Um, uh, but to us, it's it's a really cool connection. Although it's a sad connection, it's a really cool one nonetheless. Um, so after that, I started having a really hard time um, at school and with math and with my memory. And I started mixing up numbers and I couldn't focus and I couldn't organize myself. And so I started seeing a neurologist and they told me that I had – Uh, It really affected my short-term and my long-term retention um, in my brain, and so I was tested at my school because they're like, maybe it knocked a learning disability that she had had when I was little, but I'd learned how to cope with, and then all of a sudden it was there again, Um, but it just turned out I had a really bad memory now. So in high school, I had a 504 plan that accommodated for my short-term and long-term memory, and I really had to learn how to learn again, um, learn how to remember things, organize myself. And so now I, um, in college, they wouldn't let me bring my 504 plan over because I didn't have a neuropsych exam and those are really, really expensive. So the fact that I had adapted so well, we decided that I was going to come to college without any accommodations and see how I do for the first year. And then if I need help, then I'll make accommodations. But I've really, really learned how to figure things out for myself. Um, I have this little book. I write down everything in the book. If it doesn't get written down, it does not happen and I do not remember it. Um, So I just, I know I have to write everything down. And I think all my friends and all my family kind of had to adapt to the fact that I don't remember anything. So that's another reason my sister was so important to me because I wouldn't remember things. And then she would look over me. She's like, we have to go do this at like four o'clock. I'm like, Oh, yeah, let's go. (laughs) I'm like, we walk into someone. Someone's like, oh, hey, Caroline. I'm like, I have no idea who you are. And so she'll whisper their name in my ear. So she really worked with me on helping me remember and helping me become a normal person again. Um, And so that's the friend that I have found here at college. She has had seven concussions. So she has a lot of uh, issues with her brain too. Um, But what she's lacking, I have. I am very organized. I am very put together and she just is all over the place but her executive functioning is really really great so she'll remember everything that you tell her while I'll remember none of it so we work really well together in that sense because we get to bounce each other bounce off each other's weaknesses um yeah I think that that's really sums it all up it's definitely been an experience um having to kind of adapt my whole life to it. But now since I don't really remember before the whole concussion, like this is the new normal, like this is who I am. And that's, that's what I'm gonna live with. And that's how I move on the rest of my life. And I think the fact that I don't remember it really makes it okay for me because not as really okay, but it makes it something that I don't have to worry about. And I don't feel sad about because I just don't remember what it's like not to remember. Um, but to like all my friends and stuff, the facts like if they knew me before and after, like it's kind of been weird for them to watch that like progression of me knowing all these things and not knowing anything and then learning to cope again. Mm-hmm. So it's been a long, it's, I think it was four years. I forgot the end of, like, it's it was, like September 19th. I want to say, and like, I kept thinking about it all like this September. Like and I was like, it's 19th, it's 19th. I had it. And then I forgot about it. And then on the 20th, I was like, Shoot, I forgot. This is the day I got my concussion, <laughs> but it's been it's been a whirlwind.
0: Mm-hmm. And so there, are, there's a lot in there to unpack, right? Um, one, well, I'll start with something that's that might be that that, I've, that I'm fascinated with is what was that process of of rebuilding your ability to learn? Um, what was that like?
1: Well, I'm gonna speak to what I remember,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I I don't really remember. Um, it was a lot of, um, organization, which was really, really, uh, was the flaw during that is because I thought when I came back to school, I was like, it cleared me, like, I'm fine. There's no issues. Like, I'm totally the same person. My parents are like, Carolyn, they there. It is a long, it's going to be a long-term thing that you're going to have to deal with now. It's fine. Like doctor said, I'm okay. Like I didn't even worry about it. And then I started, it really Sort of affecting my math because math is about formulas and numbers and remembering the formulas and how to do things, and I started failing all my math classes because it just I thought I was fine and I really wasn't. I also found out I have number dyslexia, so I was, I'll switch my two numbers. So then that's the reason I was failing. Because so my teachers would be like, "You're doing the whole thing right, but you're just." messing up the numbers throughout the whole thing which then affects your answer so it was a lot of slowing down and actually kind of admitting to myself that there is something wrong with your brain and you need to accommodate for that and so i slowing down an organization and so i have my little my little book i carry around everywhere my friends hit school call it my brain like if i'll lose it the whole dorm will like come again, come together. And we're like, we're tearing apart Caroline's room to find your book. Like we need to find your book. Because that's that's how I do things. If I don't have it, then it's not it's not getting done. Um, so it's a lot of organization and taking it slow, taking it back and actually admitting to myself that you need to focus on relearning learning and focus, like figuring it
2: out.
0: And um, it's something that's really interesting is that you have gone through this experience at such a young age in that like a lot of people, like there, there's like a joke that like, um, it's not that people are disabled. It's that they are temporarily abled. So it's like, you, you're going to pick up disabilities as you go, go through life. And, um, a lot of people will go through their thirties and forties, you know, pretty much unscathed. And then once they hit their fifties, that's when something might happen. Like their heart might, you know, all those things might pick up. Um, so it's, and that can be really tough for people especially at that uh, at those older ages to kind of go through something where it's like oh i'm not like things are going to be different now and i have to adjust to accept that um, and I, it's very interesting that you went through such an experience at, at a young age and you kind of have that perspective of like oh things things are, you know they're, they're 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 not great but they're not necessarily bad right
1: i think anything in life if you can make it into a positive. And I think a lot of people spend so much time making things negative and making like feeling sorry for themselves when something like that happens. And it's a lot of negative energy that you're wasting on making the worst of a situation. So that's, I like to go into anything with a positive attitude because I feel like that really makes a difference on whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so I came into like coming out of the concussion and, well not I'm out of it but like there's like the fallout from it it's like it's it is what it is and I'm gonna have to learn how to deal with that and I'm not making it a negative that's what I'm like a lot of people are like I'm so sorry you can't remember anything like like that's awful for you like you must be so hard and I'm like it is what it is and it happened and that's just part of who I am and like I really I think the videos of me not being able to talk are hysterical <laughs> They're, it's just so interesting to watch, and I, I think they're funny. So I like to show them. Like, oh, remember this time I couldn't talk, and people are like that's so sad. Like, I can't believe you had to do that. Like, and it like, makes my one of my friends every time she watches them, she just gets really upset. I'm like, it happened. And it is what it is, and it's experience that you can either look back at it negatively and think like, wow, that really sucked for me, or that's really funny. I'm a person who loves to talk and I couldn't talk. Like it's, it really depends on your view on it. So I like to come into it with a, with a positive, positive view, because if you don't, then it's really going to
2: suck.
0: Yeah. And, and it's like, I, I can't help but imagine that a lot of the people that that react so strongly to, to those, those videos, uh, have such like a, like a, like it would like th- that sort of like temporarily abled view of like it's just like they they don't like it's like as long like as things kind of suck sometimes but you can bounce back and uh it sounds like you were able to like with your grandmother and like the way you were able to turn that into like a, a bonding experience rather than like a we're in prison together sort of
1: experience. yeah for a while i treat i did treat it like i'm in prison like mm-hmm. i spent 10 days in my room with no other contact because any light would hurt my head and I got and listened to podcasts. Ira Glass became like my best friend was <laughs> listen to This American Life but it's also kind of cool because I listened to so many podcasts and I don't remember them so I can listen to them again now and have a whole new experience which I love because I love podcasts but with my grandmother she, like I saw how awful it was for her and she had it far worse than I had like I can bounce back from that, but going through chemotherapy and knowing that you like cancer is way scarier than what I was going through. So I kind of thought of it as some people have it worse, and you need to make your situation better, and then try to make other people's situations better. Exactly. Um, so being spending time with my grandmother was just so important to that because we were able to bond. With the fact that we were both having a really crappy time, but we could see that other people were having an awful time and you just make it better.
2: So mm-hmm.
1: I, those those moments with my grandmother, I, I look back to that really fondly, even though we were both going through something terrible, it's, it's one of my favorite kind of memories. And that's a whole nother thing, it's like fake memories. So I don't remember a lot and then people tell me things and then that sticks with me. And so it becomes almost a fake memory because it wasn't really real to me but it is real, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, that's just my my opinions, and that's I also like to think of that with pictures. Like I don't remember, you don't remember things from your childhood, but you look at a picture of your childhood, and somebody tells you the story of why that picture happened, and then that becomes a memory in your brain. But you don't actually remember it because you were too young to have it stick in your head. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I almost went through a second childhood in that sense that a lot of my memories aren't actually my true memory of the event. It's somebody recounting what happened to me or looking at a picture and saying, Oh, Carolyn, this happened in this picture. And then I create that memory in my
0: head. Wait. So, so one thing that you mentioned that I was like, what did you have? Did you have retrograde amnesia? Like you did not remember events before that day?
1: Um, I didn't, I don't remember anything leading up to that day. I do have, like, I can remember like Far back, and like
0: mm-hmm.
1: all that stuff. But there are a lot of my when I'm looking at it in high school years, freshman year, it happened my sophomore year, right? At mm-hmm. I really do not remember my freshman year at all. There are bits and pieces that I have, but it's just I don't really remember having a freshman year of high mm-hmm. school. It's like, I know it was there. And again, it's with the fake memories. I'll look at pictures and say, oh, that happens. Like, I can recall that a little bit. But if I don't have something to trigger that memory, then it's just not there. Um, Sophomore year, during that whole six-month period, it was just fine. It's a blur, really. And then being a sophomore year, the longer we get away from it, the less I remember. Even my junior year is a little bit blurry. I don't totally remember a lot about that. But it's definitely more clear than freshman, sophomore year was. But the farther I get away from those moments, the less I remember, which I think happens to everybody. But I feel like when it happens... To me, it's just gone forever. <laughs> until mm. I can recall it, I can't recall them for myself. I have that. someone be like, "Do you remember the time we went here and this happened?" and they give me the details, and then I can piece it together and find it.
0: Mm. It
1: me really like, "Oh, do you remember that time as someone else?"
0: I see and it's, yeah, and there's also some level of like, you know, uh with an alt, uh, like someone with uh, with like Mild to moderate alzheimer's they can kind of get by on social cues like they can kind of do the nod and They're like, yeah, I do like uh, Was there a, I imagine there was a lot of that uh during this
1: during Yeah, that is a lot of that and a lot of that happens to me now because my short-term is retention is just shot so i'll go like go to meet meet a whole bunch of new people and someone's like, Oh, like we met like another, the other day. I'm like, I really do not remember who you are or remember meeting you. And so that's what my other friend with all her concussions, she's like, Caroline, we met him on Saturday. His name is this, this is his hometown. His is- <laughs> oh, I do know you. Like it did happen.
0: <laughs> now I know you. Yeah. 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 The One one thing that's very uh, fascinating to me is it seems like, uh, so I had a, a, roommate in college who during his junior year of college uh suffered a concussion and he had a series of concussions like i think like a, a dozen or so and uh this one was just it happened it wasn't super severe but it was just like in the right spot where he had complete retrograde amnesia where he didn't remember anything before that day and so it was a process for him of rebuilding like a, like and it was crazy because he didn't leave he didn't take any time off of school like he he did he took like a couple like a week or two but he didn't like take a semester off and he like had to relearn calculus because he's in, in engineering school to maintain and he somehow it was able to graduate on time it was, that was, he was a wild crazy guy but it was just like such a wacky thing because it was like uh, him having to reintroduce himself to his uh, girlfriend at the time and yeah. all those experiences.
1: So when I think about that, I'm like, people have had way more serious concussions than I've had. So I can't feel bad about, I can't feel bad for myself because I know people have it worse than I have. Like, I can feel sad about what I have to go through, but at the same time, it's like, there are people who have it worse and you're, I'm very lucky to only have the repercussions that I have. So. Mm-hmm. Again, with the positive, we have to spin everything to be positive because mm-hmm. it could have been worse. Mm-hmm. Like, people have it worse. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and we could, uh, I'm sure we can wax for a while in the weirdness of memory and fake memories,
1: too. Yeah, memories are, that's crazy. I've written so many papers about that because it's just so real to me that memories are, like, how do memories even happen? Mm-hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to go into neuroscience for a while. I'm like, that's a lot of math, and no
2: way that I'm doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be yeah. You have a very fascinating perspective on on the matter. Did you have a religious or spiritual upbringing to your childhood?
1: No, I was baptized, Mm -hmm. and that's about it. I was never like we go to church. We were those fake people who go to church on Easter and Christmas.
2: Mm.
1: once we moved to uh i used to live in connecticut and once we moved to new hampshire we just stopped going to church all together and so my brother wasn't baptized but like my sister and i were And it was only two or like my great-grandmother and my grandfather
0: and uh what is your relationship with uh with christianity or with spirituality now
1: now i mean I don't I don't really have any per se relationship with it I wasn't brought up that way so it's not something that was ingrained in who I am as a person so it really hasn't affected me in any way I I respect everybody's opinion on what the higher with their higher being or the, whatever they want to think is like everybody has an opinion they're allowed to do that but I just don't have an opinion on it. Like there may be someone bigger than who I am, but maybe there's not. I I don't think I have enough information to form an actual opinion about what I believe in. So if I was to say anything, is I don't know if I actually believe in anybody. Um, but I respect and want to learn about what everyone else believes in, because so I feel like that's really that's really interesting. I feel like I don't I don't know really how to answer that question because there's there's nothing that I personally believe in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I feel like all your experiences you make yourself. And if you want to believe that someone is helping you make those experiences, then by all means, like that's great. That sounds awesome. But I don't I don't really know of that for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. I uh yeah, this this is a, a subject, especially like, with, with the confluence of like discussing memory, and and with this, uh, with this, with the idea of spirituality for you, like it be, I would be, I would love to know what you if if this opinion changes in like 20, 30 years. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm very fascinated.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't know, I just feel like I haven't been exposed to any mm-hmm. of that growing up, so there was no reason for me to kind of find that. And I, I think it's cool, like people do, you do you. Like, <laughs> and I think that's great. And if that's just who you are. You
0: know, I really How do you finish the next prompt, Before I Die, I Want?
1: Before I Die. Before I die, I want to make other people happy and I want to be happy myself. I want to travel. I want to see all I can see. I want to expand my horizons like beyond who i am and where i can go i just want to experience everything and be happy with who i am and what i'm leaving in the world
0: okay and so how uh what will uh like is there like a level of happiness that you're looking to achieve in yourself or others like do you know like are you already that happy and you want to maintain it or is there a level of happiness that you think is higher or deeper uh, that you want to achieve?
1: I, right now, I'm very happy with who I am, what I'm doing, where I am. But I feel like experiences, I don't know if you can totally categorize it in a, like there's a higher level of being happy. Mm -hmm. Like all experiences bring different emotions. And I think it's really important to experience all the different emotions instead of just focusing on, one, which I just said I want to, but again, it's trying to experience everything. So I'm not going out to try to do everything to make myself happy. It's, it's important to be sad and it's important to be angry. If you just, if you're just trying to focus on one thing, then you don't experience all those different emotions. And I feel like those are really important to experience, but being happy is something that I definitely look for when I do things and, but making other people happy makes me happy. So that's really kind of what I'm looking for because it's a total to two benefits. Cause I'm happy and someone else is happy. And when someone else is happy, I'm happy.
0: It's like a virtuous circle.
1: Yeah. So I guess what I said about just looking for happiness is, yeah, you're obviously looking for something that makes you feel that way, but it's important not to ignore the other emotions.
0: And is there somewhere in the world I I know you said that you want to expand your horizons and go and just kind of get a little bit of everything uh but is there are there uh, particular places that you're like I really would like to be there or experience this before I die
1: well I I I don't think there's anything specific um I am just in Durham I have lived in Connecticut until I was five years old and then I moved to Durham New Hampshire and I went to elementary school here. I went mm-hmm. to middle school here. I went to high school here, and now I'm at college here. So I haven't experienced anything beyond Durham, New Hampshire. And I feel like Durham is a bubble in itself. Mm-hmm. Everything is just so. Um, and I feel like even like the middle school is its own bubble, and the high school is its own bubble, and the university is its own bubble, and the town's its own bubble. So I feel like I've experienced all those bubbles, but they're all very similar. Mm-hmm. So. I really just want to get out of Darrow <laughs> and like that was my goal. And I was going to like going to school. I was like four years, like I can experience anything and I didn't end up leaving. Um, but that was a choice that I made and it's a choice that I'm really happy with now. It wasn't initially what I wanted, but mm-hmm. I feel like the opportunities that I have here, I'm able to go anywhere I want. And part of the reason I chose here was just for financial reasons um, which I feel like a lot of like these days, a lot of people choose their college or their, you know, what they do after high school based on money, which that's a whole other issue in itself. But being here, I'm able to have um, resources and funds for when I graduate to go wherever I want.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm really lucky to have my parents be helping me pay for college and I'm going to graduate virtually debt free, which is kind of. like for people these days like debt free like that's incredible
2: Mm -hmm.
1: i am really thankful for the fact that that's an option for me um so as when my mom was telling me when i came here she's like you have four years that you're that you're in durham but you have the rest of your life to go anywhere else and so i'm gonna spend the rest of my life going anywhere else Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like a, a, like it's just like a continuing that incubation period just a little bit longer until you're yeah. like, just right. Yeah.
1: And I'm excited to like get out and explore. And I know here I'm going to do a semester abroad mm-hmm. so for a semester. I haven't totally worked that out yet, but mm-hmm. that is something that I know I'm doing. And when I came to UNH, that was part of the reason is because there is a really great study abroad program. And... A lot. Everyone in my family really wanted me to stay here. So, <laughs> my grandparents told me they'd help me out if I went abroad. So, again, the whole being a young person in today's life, it's all about where you can save money and financially what makes the most sense, which is really sad that it has to stomp on some of your dreams. But at the same time, you create. You've create your own opportunities where you are. I'm here I'm creating my own opportunities. I'm getting involved. I'm being part of something that's bigger than just the so.
0: And it's like it's like you were it's though like like you were saying with in terms of like applying to colleges like a limiting like those those are restrictions but there's a lot of freedom once you accept those restrictions. Like mm-hmm. once you like even if you were say like oh, I love dancing, but I don't have an arm. What kind of dancing can you do? It's like, oh, you can still do a lot of dancing. Like there's, there's a lot of, there's still a lot of stuff that you can do, but it's finding, it's accepting that restriction and then finding all of the freedom that exists around that restriction.
1: Exactly. And I think that comes back to finding a positive viewpoint on anything that you're in. You can make anything negative. But you can also make anything positive. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm a tour guide now at UNH. So the other day I was on a tour and this girl, she's like, Oh, it's 45 minutes away. I am too close to home. Like I do not want to come to UNH And her mom's like, like, look at it. It's great. She's like, It's great here. But like, I'm way too close. And I go over to her. I'm like, I live seven minutes from the university. Like if I really, really wanted to, I could walk home and I don't think it's too close. Cause anything's only as close or as only as far as you make it. Like I have friends who live in Massachusetts and they go home every single weekend. So it feels like they're still at home and I don't go home and I'm only seven minutes down the road. So that's me creating my own opportunities and making it how I want. Cause I could, I could go home every single day if I really wanted to Like <laughs> my mom will come hang out with me. Like that's not an issue but I'm making it seem like I'm farther away than I am because that's just me creating my own Mm
0: -hmm. And how do you finish the next prompt? when I die, I want?
1: When I die, I want people to remember the positives that I was able to create and the positives within their own life. I feel like when people die, I don't have a lot of experience with death, but I feel like people only remember the good things about that person, and that's I really want people just to remember good things and being happy and the happiness that together we were able to have and those happy memories instead of like finding the negatives within like being. I don't want people to be sad. Mm-hmm. I want people with I think this is cool, it's like be happy because it happened. Or it's it's one of those cliche things, mm-hmm. but. I want people to be happy that we were able to have each other in our lives and not be sad that I died. Mm-hmm.
0: Is there, uh, with what, uh, what experience have you had with death and, uh, do they inform a lot of your, of uh, about those views that you have?
1: I personally have not had, a, I'm very lucky to not have a lot of experience with death since I am the oldest out of my grandparents, like out of all my family. My family is still relatively young, so I've not lost a lot of family members that I'm close with. There, there has been a few, but it hasn't been anybody that I have, that I really remember It was when mm-hmm. I was younger. Really the, the most experience I had with death was my dog died, mm-hmm. both my dogs, which was really sad. And like one of them, I had my whole entire life and she died when I was in eighth grade. And then my last dog died in January of last year which was really, really sad. And like not having him there was my only experience with like not have like death. And a lot of people, I talked to some of my friends, I'm like, I'm going on my friend, like Eugene's podcast and it's about death. And they're like, Oh, this person died. This time I have all this experience with death. I'm like, really the only one that hit the hardest at home was my, my dog.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: like, I'm lucky to have that. But also at the same time, I, I don't know what death is really like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which it's, it's, I'm lucky to have that. But at the same time, it's kind of like, when it happens,
0: it's going to be crushing. It'll hit you. Right. My, and my own, and my personal, like, I've, I've only had like, I've only like my dog dying when I was in, I think like eighth or ninth grade, um, that was like my first and for the longest time like my closest experience with death until i started uh, taking up trying like practicing hunting and, and and things like that but it was still such a very like distant experience but the thing about those those dogs is they just they have so much love yeah and, and uh what uh what what did you learn from because it was it was relatively recent um what did you learn from the death of of your pooch
1: i well, when it happened, it was kind of, we kind of knew it was going to happen. He was really old. He was 16. So that's really that's old.
0: That's so old.
1: Um, so we were kind of like, he could start, couldn't, like, he didn't get up some days. He would just lie around. Mm. Right he was just always a lazy dog. So like, it was kind of normal almost. And then it happened while I was at work. And I got, actually got a text from my best friend. I was like, I'm so sorry about your dog. To my mom. I posted a picture on Facebook.
2: Oh, mom.
1: Yeah. <laughs> she, she just changed her profile picture to it. She didn't say anything. But then somebody commented and then it... Social media really ruined it. And then I got a text from my friend saying, like, I'm sorry about your dog. I'm like, my dog's still alive. Like, he was there when I left this morning. And so actually, I kinda liked having that because I drove home and I cried the whole entire time. <laughs> and when I got home, I didn't I didn't have any tears left. So mm. I could just sit with my family and like talk about like how much we loved him and that stuff. But my mom said it was like he looked at her and like gave her, like, a sign, like, I'm ready to go. And so she's, like, I couldn't let him suffer anymore. So she put, it, we put him down. But I wouldn't want him to suffer anymore. Like, he was so sick and so sad. And you don't want them to feel that way. Mm-mm. But now we have a new puppy that we just got for Christmas. And he reminds me so much of our past two dogs. And, like, we, once he died, we, like waited a long time and then we kept telling our parents we're like, we should get a new dog Like we've always had a dog like i don't know why we don't have a dog yet mm-hmm. so my mom kept saying we're not gonna get a dog unless he speaks to me like like we can, like we can find a great dog somewhere but unless he like speaks to me then i'm, I'm not spending the time like with that dog because she's gonna be the one obviously taking care of it and we she would take her to the SPCA and be like, Mom, like look at this dog. He's great. And she's like, Nope, we're not even gonna look at it. Like, I don't, I don't like it. Like, we're not speaking, It doesn't speak to me. So we took our dad one day <laughs> soccer, and so he was like at the SPCA. They're like, Do you like want to pet these dogs? Our mom's always like, Nope, we're not petting them. We're leaving. And my dad's like, Okay, I guess we have time. Like, we can meet these dogs. So like they set us up in our own room and they kept they brought this puppy in and this puppy was just. The sweetest little, but he was super gentle and he came and licked all of our faces. And he was just, we all immediately fell in love with him. And my mom was at a doctor's appointment with my grandmother. And I texted her, I'm like, Yeah, we're at the SPCA with dad. And she's like, Well, crap, we're getting a dog then. <laughs> he was he's kind of a sucker in that way. And she's like, Should I come down? Is it worth it? And like my dad's like, Yeah, you you need to come meet this dog. And once she got there, like she fell in love with him too. And it's, he has like the same personality as our last two dogs, which is really cool to have him in this one thing. And it's so fun having a dog now. Like, I know you just, you weren't looking for a dog. Today.
0: We did. And we didn't end up working out. We'd like the dogs that we connected with, we couldn't grab that day. And so like we were going to Philly specifically to try to grab a dog that day. Um, and the ones that were available were just, they, we just didn't really click. So, yeah. ah.
2: it's,
1: it's all about the connection. And like, this dog is the greatest thing that has ever happened to us. Like, I love my my old dogs, but having this dog is just—I miss him so much. Like now, that I spent since we got him for Christmas, and I had the whole January off. Everybody was working or at school, so I hung out with him every single day mm-hmm. uh, in the month of January. So, like, he was my little buddy. I took him everywhere, and now I'm like, don't have him anymore. It's really sad. But my, since he's a puppy, he's kind of annoying. So like, he's really pissing me off. I'm dropping him off. I'm like, I'm out of class in 20 minutes. Like I'm, I'm down. So I bring him in and we walk around campus. So I get to mm-hmm. still see him. But that was just a long come like story. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was a
0: good one. It was good. Um, have you considered uh, what you want the moment of your passing to look like or feel like?
1: I haven't really pictured it. I actually, during this year, I got my wisdom tooth out and they took an x-ray of my face and they said they, my sinus had a weird shape in it. And they're like, that's not normal. That could be a tumor. Like it could be cancerous. We need you to go get a CAT scan. So for like a hot sec, we were like, I'm going to die. Like I had cancer in my face. What am I going to do? And so I started like thinking, I'm like, who do I want at my funeral? Like, mom, I need you to like find my speeches and stuff. And she's like, you, you, you're fine. Like it's stop talking about this. She thought it was like, she. Was, I was kind of joking about it at the same time. It was like, what is in my face? Like, what is wrong with me? The fact that this doctor was like, you need a casket in, like, you need to go do that. And it kind of became real. Like what, like, what do I do? Like, who's going to actually come into like a funeral? And so I was like making jokes about it, but at the same time it was Kind of like, what do I do if this is real? Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: what do I? What am I really leaving behind in the twenty years that I've been here? Um, but then the, we got the CAT scan. And they're like, you just have a weird shake sinus. Like you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> it really nothing came of it. But I did start thinking about it a lot. Like I'd sit in bed and just think, like, who? What, what's going to happen to people? I'm like, it's it's sad to think about. Like, like knowing that there is a point where you're not going to be in people's lives anymore and the fact that it could happen so young is kind of you always hear about the kids that die never like the old people that die because you know when you're old you're obviously going to pass away but like I'm like I haven't accomplished what I want to do in my life I haven't been here long enough like I can't leave yet Um, so that was that's kind of the only thing I was thinking about was the short second where I thought I had like a face tumor, but I don't. So I know that I can move on now and accomplish what I need to what I'm here to do. All
0: right. And uh, how do you finish the final prompt after I die? I want
1: after I die. I think I kind of talked about that a little bit when like another question, I want people to just be happy. Like after I die, I want people to look back at the memories and think like, remember them and think about how happy the times that we were able to have together were. And after I die, I really just want kind, like people to just be kind to each other and know that like, that's what I was really looking for in life was to make everybody happy and just be a kind person. And after I die, I want people to think about me and think I'm going to be just a nice person today that's kind of that's all I really want in life is everyone to be kind and if that's something that I can make happen then that's what I'm going to do
0: and are you uh, optimistic or pessimistic about the future
1: about the future I'm really optimistic I think that I have a lot of good opportunities that are available for me which I'm really lucky to have and through those opportunities, taking advantage of them and being able to experience so much more in the future is so exciting to look at. <laughs> so I, I love where I am right now. I love what has happened before and I'm excited to see what else I can do, what else I can bring to the world, what else the world can bring to me and be able to experience so much more than I've experienced in the short time I've been
2: here.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, like it's, yeah, it's like an expression of like being happy for the possibilities ahead. Yes. And what uh, I guess um, when you're talking about wanting other people to be happy after you die, um, is do you do you want is do you want that is that like a part of your legacy that you want, or you just want people to be happy?
1: Um, I feel like I I really just want people to be happy, and if I was to leave a legacy, which I don't. I don't know if I'd ever leave a legacy. I don't feel like, I feel like legacies are left by those who like, moved mountains and made big names for themselves. And I would love to make a name for myself and leave a legacy. But if, I, yeah, so if my legacy would be just be kind and be happy and make everything positive. I think you can spend, I mentioned it earlier, you can spend so much time making things negative. But if you spend that energy on making things positive, then I feel like you're going to be an overall happier person and kinder to everyone around you.
0: Mm. All right. And so we've been talking for maybe what, like an hour, hour and a half, something like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Probably.
0: Maybe. And so I want to give you the floor uh, to speak to the audience, whoever's listening, uh, whether it's Hannah Jane or uh, Caroline in the twenty thirty years ahead, or uh, just somebody who's like, Hey, I, Uh, I'm resonating a lot with what you're saying or or some of the experiences that you've gone through. Um, I want to give you the last few minutes, last few moments to address them directly. The floor is yours.
1: Okay. Well, addressing future me, maybe, maybe my sister, my mom who will definitely probably listen to this. Um, anybody that listens to it, I feel like just be a kind person, go out tomorrow and make someone happy. Because if you're not making someone happy and you're not making yourself happy, then there's a lot of... I don't want to sound like too like... Because I'm like, like, you need to do this kind of in a kind of way. But I feel like just try to make someone happy and it will make you feel better as a person. And if you're sitting so long and making something... Working, like working yourself up on a negative thing, if you just try to turn it positive, it makes the whole situation better. You can sit for like... My mom's gonna. If she listens to this, she's gonna be like, "This is why I was telling Caroline." And now I'm actually saying it. It's, we have this little quote in our house that says, "Mirror, um, mirror on the wall, I am my mother after all." <laughs> my grandmother gave it to my mom, and every single day I look at it. I'm like, "How I'm turning into my mom?" Which is just a weird thing to think about because, like, I like to think of myself as my own individual, but then, like, I I am my mom, and. Everything that she's saying, I kind of realize it's that she, every time she says things and I'm like, that's dumb. And she's like, in 20 years, or like tomorrow, you're going to look back that and you're going to think that's a great thing I said and you're actually going to do it. And like, I'll never think that's gonna be wrong. And now I'm looking and I'm like, oh, shoot, you were totally right and she always told like I would get so upset like when I when friends would be mean to me or I would have like a problem in my life I would spend so long just being angry and being upset and like finding reasons to hate the situation that I was in and she always would tell me she's like if you just think about it positively then the whole situation is going to turn out better and I've really kind of taken that to heart because I've spent so long being angry and negative at other things I'm like this isn't worth my time like it is not worth me being mad at you or being angry at this situation that like it happened for a reason and that there's nothing you can do about it. And just try to make it positive as you move on. So I feel like that's, that's what I want to leave. This with is move on, be happy, make yourself happy, make others happy spread kindness. (laughs)
0: good stuff thank you so much caroline this was a this was a great pleasure i hope you enjoyed yourself
1: yeah thank you so much i just rambled on about a lot of things but given a platform to talk i love it like
0: (laughs) thank you this has been caroline wilson on death